Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Hey there. Good Thursday morning, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Give me a thumbs up. I see Connie. I see Anita. Thank you for turning your cameras on. Yeah, and if you can, if you put your cameras on so I can see you, that really, really helps. You can see me, so I want to see you too. So I'm super casual today, guys, So and I'm repping the West Coast. So West Coasters, I'm repping San Diego today <laughs> for all of you. But I'm Amy Izzo. Amy Izzo. You can't say my name. I'm Amy Izzo. If you haven't seen me before, um, I host Thursday mornings, Value Added Thursdays here at Agent Power Huddle, and I'm, which I'm so excited about. Someday I'll clean up the mess behind me. Um, and um, I'm a realtor here in Northwest Indiana, right around the Chicago area. So I cover two states, Illinois and Indiana in the Midwest. Um, Agent Power Huddle, we are live on Facebook. Hi, Facebook. We are recorded for your listening delight and later on. And then we are also a podcast. So you can download on any of your podcast, favorite podcast providers. We are they're all available. And I know I listen to a lot of the ones that I don't get to do in person. Um, I listen to a lot of them uh, in my car. So in my mobile office. So I'm sure that you'll all appreciate that too. So that's all the housekeeping. We got all the housekeeping out of the way. And I want to spend some time on this Value Added Thursday. Oh, now I see Shelly. Hi, Shelly. <laughs> I wanted to, oh, and YouTube. Wait, I'm getting a reminder. Um, YouTube. These are all on YouTube also. So go check us out on Agent Power Huddle on YouTube. Um, and in the in the chat, there's, uh, there's a link there directly if you want to grab that and go subscribe. We need subscribers to the podcast and subscribers to the YouTube. That super helps us. Um, so if you can do it. Get out there and subscribe, and I'll make it easy for you to find it, too. Oh, I see Miles. All right. I love when you turn your cameras on. See how much more energetic I get? Okay. All right. So I want to talk a little bit today about for sale by owners. And I know some of you, when I say this, though, might poo-poo it. Like, uh, they can sell their house in four seconds. Anybody feel like that? Anybody feel like that? Okay. Great. But if I told you that I have five of them under contract right now and four are dual agency what would you would you listen to me a little bit maybe, <laughs> maybe you'd listen to me just a little bit and I'm as surprised as you are so I'm going to tell you my for sale by owner story um because I've had a story around for sale by owners and then I'm going to come back and talk to you about what's happening in the market and I know that I am working with agents in other markets, so it's not just about my market, and they're starting to do this too. So, not market specific, but um, I have been in real estate for eight years, and I historically have done super well with for sale by owners. My approach in the past, so I would say pre-2020, my approach was always that I would offer to market for them and do open houses for them. 
And usually they would allow me to do open houses for them, which I'm super good at. And then they would just love me because I have a magnetic personality and they would love the traffic that I could create for them. Um, And they would list with me and some of them would list with me very quickly. And some I would do an open house or two. And my mindset around for sale by owners was always if all they do is give me the open house and they sell it on their own or they never list with me, it's okay. Because I knew I was going to work the open house for seller buyers. So historically, pre 2020, that is how I handled for sale by owners. My approach was more about, I'm going to do the open house for you. I'm going to market for you. And I knew I would benefit. I would have, I would reap benefits from that effort, whether I got the listing or not. What typically would happen though, is I would get the listing because either they super loved me up front and I proved my value in one or two open houses, or they just, or they just, whatever, decided to list with me. I had a few that I wore down. My favorite story is right in my neighborhood, a house I really wanted to list. And they told me from the very beginning, not only was I never listing for them, but they were um, also um, going to do all their own open houses. And so for two months, every Sunday, I stopped by the open house 15 minutes before the end of the window and dropped off my business card and asked them how their traffic was. And their traffic was horrible because where they were placed in our subdivision is kind of a hard spot to get people to. And their traffic was horrible. So after I did this for eight weeks, I finally, I built some rapport, right? They see me every Sunday for eight weeks at the end of their open house. Here comes Amy. They could predict it three weeks in that I was coming. And then I had to keep coming because I knew they expected me. Um, not only did they list that house with me, they bought two additional homes with me and they just recently reached out to me because they have two homes to sell and they want to build a home and probably not till next year, but they're already talking to me about it. So I've become the family real realtor for them. Um, and they were never listing with the realtor. So that was always my approach in the past. Then this is a little bit about mindset, right? Then the pandemic hit. And who wanted to ask someone if they could do an open house for them? Not me. I did not want to ask anybody to let me do an open house because I just felt it was disrespectful with everything going on. You don't know how everyone is feeling. So I I just stopped. I stopped looking at Fizbo's. I was like, well, I guess that's the end of that for a while. And here we are, fast forward, you know, it's almost a, well, it is, it's about a year later since I quit doing that. And um, I'd say last month is what I really got going to get on it. It's been almost a year that I stopped doing it. And I was like, oh, if 38 buyers, I have listings, right? And I'm working on getting more listings, but I have 38 buyers that don't have houses. I have to get creative. So I got back on the for sale by owner train and my expectation when I started pulling the data was that they're all going to be sold, but I'm just going to check. Maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe I'll time it right and maybe I'll get lucky. So I just started pulling the data locally, some of it manually, and I also just started scouring social media. You know, anybody posted a house on Instagram or Facebook um, that they haven't made it to Zillow or for sale by owner yet. And I have been pleasantly surprised over the last few months that not only have I found quite a few that are out there, but I have quite a few that are out there that aren't 
selling for one reason or another. So much so for those of you that missed it uh, you, because you didn't join at the very, very beginning, I have five under contract and four have dual agency. So in just about two months. So did it really well for a while, would have told you I was an expert at it, gave it up because of the pandemic and then said, well, let's maybe go see what's going on. And my intended approach was, and this is what I did, was to call and tell them I had a buyer. So when I was first reinvigorating for sale by owner in my life, right? Um, I was taking my list of buyers and I was matching them to homes that are off the market, right? Because I don't consider them on the market. They're off the market. So I was doing the match. And I was only calling the for sale by owners where I had a buyer or two that I thought would like their house. So even if I had someone whose requirements were close, I was calling them. So my approach when I was calling them was really introducing myself so they know who I am and asking if their property was still available and letting them know that I had interested buyers that I'd like to bring bring out if the house is a fit. And then obviously I'm asking them if they're willing to pay a 3% co-op fee um, for me bringing their buyer. Um, pleasantly surprised that I get more yeses. They sometimes they have questions around the percentage, but I get more yeses on that. If you can sell it, that's great. Um, if you can bring me a buyer, that's great. And I've been able to go out and preview those homes and then bring buyers in um, to match up and all of them except one. So of the five I've been able to bag so far, four of them did not want to represent themselves. They really wanted some help and we were able to meet with the buyers and make that all work out um, because they realized um, that they there's a lot of steps that they just don't understand. So um, I was, you know, I was able to work out commission that would take care of um, me for representing them on both sides where, and if you're, you have to, be, I will, here's my, you have to be comfortable with dual agency and then you have to execute that correctly in your area. So if you are not comfortable with that, if it's not something you can do in your area, um, then that's fine. So that there, there's lots of strategies there, but that's fine. Um, but for me, I'm comfortable with it. I can execute it properly. And so I, I'm, I have a really good process of how I do that. Um, with buyers and sellers. So it's worked, so it's working out pretty well. But then I started to talk a little bit more with my real estate colleagues about why are we giving up on these four sale by owners? And let me, what if I looked at the other ones that maybe I don't have a direct buyer match for? What if I looked at the other ones and started calling them? What would that look like? What would that sound like? And so I've started to do that and I'm, I'm starting to book some appointments and I'm starting to get some people into my database that I'm keeping in touch with. Um, I'm also starting to see some that are sitting on the market for some period of time that they shouldn't be like 30 days, 100 days, 75 days. And there's, as far as I can see, I haven't been to all these homes, right? But as far as I can see, there's photos, they're in good neighborhoods. There's really no reason why they're not selling or getting traffic unless, you know, my colleagues in my specific area, for whatever reason, just aren't calling and bringing buyers through because 
they're not on the MLS and they don't want to make those phone calls. Some of them are clearly overpriced. And um, I have heard other agents say to me, don't waste your time on those because if they're overpriced, even if they're overpriced in this market, a buyer will buy it. Well, I'm finding that there's evidence that that may not be true. That may that just may be in a lot of cases our own perception and the story we tell ourselves as I'm really looking at it. Now, are there some that have sold on their own and I call them and they've told me no? Yeah, of course. Um, are there some that are priced right? Yeah, of course. I think there's some that are priced okay and under contract that could have priced higher, quite frankly. Um, but they're under contract. So, you know, not for me to tell them that. Um, I also have come across a few where their main objection is the commission, yet they're they're not considering how much they really could be selling for. They're a little underpriced for our current market conditions. And those are great conversations to have um, with a seller. So, um, so I want to talk a little bit about some of the calls I'm making now and what that looks like. I just calling or considering calling for sale by owners right now. Anybody? No? Okay. So, okay. John Citro, Walnut, California. John, I don't know where that is exactly, but it sounds so much warmer than here. I'm wearing my San Diego here in the Midwest because I'm trying to warm up. It's like 50 degrees today. So are you calling for sale buyers or considering or both? Uh, yeah, no, I am, uh, well, doing a, a text campaign uh, with them, but I am reaching out to them. Tell us about your text campaign, will you? I have some of that going on too. Let's trade secrets right here on Age of Power Huddle. <laughs> uh, the first one, I'm just asking them if the, if the property is still available. I typically do it on a, a Monday. I'll start just, you know, if they've done showings over the weekend. So I'll do that starting Monday and then uh, just seeing what the response is. You know, a lot of them are yes. Uh, then I ask them if, the, you know, if they're willing to pay a, a 3% uh, buyer's uh, fee if I bring someone and some say yes, some say no. And I still say great. And then I ask them if I can come set, you know, see, see the house and, and get a tour of the house and then go from there. How's that working for you? Uh. So far, pretty good. You know, I've gotten a few appointments out of it. No listings yet. You know, like you said, uh, you know, just kind of got to keep a uh, front of mind with them and stuff. And, and when that time comes, hopefully they do call me and, and want to list with me. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I love, I really hadn't done any work around text campaigns until January when I started doing some geotexting. Now, when I started doing the geo leads or the geotexting, um, I really started with just homeowners. So it's really more like circle prospecting, but through text. And I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it, but I really love it. Um, why do I love it? Because the ones that don't want to talk to me tell me to go away as aggressively as they'd like to right away, which is awesome because I can be done with them. And it was a pretty easy inter inter exchange, but man, I've been having fun with it. So I've had lots of database ads, which I always think are a win, especially once you know they're a homeowner um, and have been able to start to build some rapport. And I have had some great, um, some great appointments from it and some listings. So um, I love doing the FISBOs. I haven't done that yet. I love doing the FISBOs via text. So I'm really glad that you shared that. 
because really you could take that script that you just gave us or any script that you're using. And I am going to give you guys a script. After, I'm going to have one posted in the group when this um, recording is posted um, that I'm using, but you could easily see me converting this phone script to text. And I think I read, like I said, I'm new at text, right? So I'm transparent as a day is long, new at texting, but for marketing purposes. Um, and I've read something like some recent survey, I'll have to see where the source is, um, because I don't remember the top of my head, but like 86% of consumers would prefer someone to text them than phone, give them a phone call. I was like, what that? I would prefer to text you, to call you. I mean, I'll make the calls all day long, but it's not my favorite thing to do. So I do it out of necessity. So anyway, anybody else doing any for sale by owners? I saw some considering. Anita, are you considering or are you doing it? I'm, I'm doing it, but not quite the way you are. I wasn't looking for listings. I'm desperately searching for houses for my buyers. So, yeah, that's I'm using Red X as another tool to get houses for the buyers. Yeah, great. And how's that working for you? Are you getting houses for your buyers? Um, sometimes. Um, a lot of them that are listed, I, I use Red X for my data to find them. And a lot of them are already sold. So... Yeah. They're, they're selling there too, but yeah. And I'm seeing some of that too, but remember I had 37 buyers, five of them, I was able to find houses for, and that's how I started getting back into this, right? Just exactly what you're doing. I'm just trying to match, you know, this family to a poor, house. Poor people and, um, need a house. I'm <laughs> fast enough, right? So, but so now it just kind of shifted my perspective a little bit. I'm like, hmm, I need to not ignore these over here because I don't think I have a valid buyer for them. I need to call them and see what I can do. Connie, I saw you too. Were you going to share? Um, yeah, I do. I use Red X and call for sub owners and I do it for the listings. And I've had five um, recently. I think the key is following up on some of the older ones that show off market. So mm -hmm. some of them just got tired of it and um, picked up a couple that way and just kindly following up on them. I still have some leads in the system that maybe weren't quite ready or weren't quite ready for the onslaught. The timing's not right. So it's still a really good way to pick up listings. Right. Not your only way, but a good way. Absolutely. And you can't have all your eggs in one basket, right? So if you're if we're lead generating for anything, um, we've got to have multiple sources that we're lead generating. I always think of it as, especially if you only have one or two, I always think of it as, think about a table. A table has four legs. If you cut a leg off, that table's kind of wobbly, right? So you need at least four right sources if you're building from one or two, at least four sources. And if you can get a couple extra legs under your table, that's even more support. So if you can just, if you're only have one or two sources, if you can just add a third one when you get comfortable, that add a fourth one. And so you kind of have a system in place. Um, because I know sometimes people will say, you have to have 30 lead sources, whatever the number is, where are you today? Right. And let's build out from there. Because what do you, it starts with what are you managing today before you add on a bunch more? Um, Awesome. So I'm good. I'm glad I'm not the only one that is starting to take a look at this again, or maybe some of you have been doing it all along. Um, Shelly, you asked what data service am I using? So I have used Reddix in the past. Um, I think you use what you have. Um, I have a, my CRM is through Real Estate Nexus Group and they do a lot of it for me. Um, but I do, I have Reddix, so I do a lot of it through Reddix too. 
So, um, okay, so I'll tell you what I'm doing now. So now when I'm calling for SOBA owners, um, I'm calling introducing myself. So I'm just saying, hi, um, this is Amy with eXp Realty. Um, I'm calling us about your property at 123 Main Street. Um, are you still selling that for a sale by owner? I just ask them because <laughs> I know they are. So I just ask them. Um, and anybody wants to jump in here with me, you can. So, um, and I'll still say, yep, yeah, I am. And I'm like, great, let me ask you if I brought you a qualified buyer, are you willing to pay me a 3% co op fee? So, or 3% buyer's agent fee is what I usually say. People in my area seem, tend to better understand that. Some of them don't. And they're like, well, I think so. Um, or they may say, well, what is that? What's 3%? What's, or what's a buyer agent fee? And then I explain to them. So that sellers typically pay the agent when, the, when they um, bring a buyer. So, so I explain that to them. Um, and then I see what they say. Most of the time they say, yeah, if, if I could get my price, <laughs> I could get my price, you know, or they would say, or they would just say yes. A lot of them just say yes. I don't have to even fight for that very much or talk about it very much. Um, so then I'll say to them, so if they tell me, yes, they'll pay a co-op fee and I think I have a buyer, I just go for the appointment. Great. I like to come out on Wednesday and take a look at the house. Can I come out around three o'clock? Whatever I want to do. And I set an appointment to go see it um, because... I want to vet it for my buyer if I can. And also, I really want to build rapport so that I have an opportunity for the listing. Um, whether I go there in person or I continue the conversation now, if I don't think I have a valid buyer and we're having a good conversation on the phone, I will keep them on the phone by I'll just keep asking them questions. So I might ask them something like, um, how long are you going to try to sell the property on your own before you explore other options? And I just see what they're going to say. Right. I just listen to see what they're going to say. Um, I guess I ask them some questions about the property. Like, why do you want to sell the property? I verify the price. Oh, you're selling the property for 350000 Is that correct? So how did you come to that price? You know, I just and I just listen and make it conversational. Do I have a list of questions? Yes. Do I use it as a script on the page? No. I make it conversational based on what they say to me um, and how they answer the questions. Um I will, you know, I might say to them, hey, I noticed you've been trying to sell it, or they might have told me, but I noticed you've been trying to sell the house for a month. Are you getting some traffic through there? Oh, great. And they may, usually they say, yes. Oh, great. How many people have been through? Because I want to know. I'm curious, right? And out of curiosity, were they all qualified pre-approved buyers? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll say, how do you know? Sure. I start a lot of questions and shut up, right? And just listen to what they say. And that, because sometimes they'll say yes, or I don't know, or sometimes they'll say, I don't know how I know. <laughs> no, okay, I'm just curious. No one ever, you know, crucified me, got upset with me for being curious. So I'm just curious. Um, and then I'll ask them, why are you selling for sale by owner? Usually it's about what? Money. So now I've done a little pick and shovel work before I've called them. So this might be a good time. Um, also, unless I'm going to go out and see the property, this might be a good time for me to talk to them about their price, especially if they're underpriced. And there is some of that out there. If they're overpriced, I don't do that here. I would, if I was going to do that, I would do that at the property. Um, but I'm trying to talk to them about, you know, where, where they're relocating, 
um, I confirm with them, like, you don't, if they're buying another home and it's, whether it's local or away, I confirm out of town, I confirm with them if they have an agent representing them on their purchase yet. The one I talked about at the beginning that it was like two months, I went to their open house on my way home from, you know, my appointments every Sunday and just left my card. They kept saying to me in the beginning that they were going to buy, but they had no agent. So it's like, so, it, you know, very quickly, I was like, I'd love to be your agent once you get the soul. You know, I know you know what you're doing there, but I'd love to be your agent and help you buy the house. And what ended up happening, they, before they gave me the listing, they were like, will you send us, you know, will you be our agent? I'm like, yeah, let me start sending you properties. So one way to motivate people is to get them excited about other homes. And even in a market where there's not a ton, get them excited about one and they miss it. Gold, gold for you, right? Because it motivates them to get going and get their property moved so that they can do what they need to do. And I know a lot of us, I don't have any in my um, area, but I know a lot of us have cash options where you can help a seller by non-contingent that I think they don't even know are available. Now, I don't have that service available in my market yet, but man, I'm waiting. I'm like signed up on all the lists. Like, tell me when it's available because I think those programs like through NAC um, and I know there's other companies, is it Home Light? I know there's other companies. They just don't do my area yet. So I'm waiting for those. Okay, I've got a Facebook question Michelle Benson, what if they say they have an agent they're going to list with if they can't do it on their own? I'm like, great, I want to know about that. So I actually do ask them, I actually have a question where I'll ask them, um, you know, when I, when I ask them, how long are you going to wait before you explore other options? I actually will ask them, oh, if they say a month, they'll say, great. So a month from now, if you're still not sold, do you have an agent that you're planning to list with? Great. How do you know them? Is it a family or a friend that family member or a friend that you feel obligated to list with? I want you to know kind of where their head is and what they're thinking. So I ask them. Um, I always say to them, "Hey, if you've got a strong relationship with an experienced agent with a great track record that you are planning to list with, I want to respect that. Um, if I can bring you a buyer, I will. If you don't, if you don't have that in place, it might be good to get a second opinion. I'd love to come out and give you a second opinion. I just tell them." A lot of times they'll have you come out and give a second opinion. Sometimes they don't really have another agent or it is someone that they know. And I just had one that didn't go with me that came back to me a couple of days ago. They didn't go with me. They didn't sell their house. Um, and they just came back to me about coming out to, to talk with them because they hired somebody um, that they knew that just worked with them that hasn't done anything. All houses should be selling in this market if it's listed with an agent. So something is wrong. So then they just called me to say, what do we do? And I'm like, well, you gotta, first of all, you can't be in contract with them for me to tell you what to do. So they're already in the process of terminating that contract. So I'm like, terminate the contract and call me. So, um, and then we'll go from there. And then I can give you lots of advice. So there, there, you know, there is some of that going on where people just don't have the right fit. Like maybe someone that just does it part-time. And I always say experience in real estate and I'm not opposed to part-time agents. So let me say this. We all start somewhere and I'm not, and some of us want to be part-time and some of us are full-time all the time. I am not opposed to either, but the experience comes from the number of transactions. That's where it comes from. I don't care if you've had your license 30 years. If you do one transaction a month for 30 years, that's your level of experience. If I sell 50 homes because I choose to for eight years, that's my level of experience. The experience comes from all of the situations you had a problem solved through. And that's important even for less tenured agents to know. In my market, I get a lot of 
I get, I'm up against a lot of agents where I hear they have 20 and 30 years experience. I have eight, you know, and I'm like, well, it's good, but compared to 20 or 30, well, it depends. It really depends on the number of transactions that we all do. So, and our skill set. And that's something that a seller buyer can understand if you explain it to them that way. Um, so it's just it's just about having that conversation in that way. So I hope that that helped, Michelle. I hope that that helped answer your question. All right. All right. So what else do I do? Um, I'm going to give you guys questions, but I really just try to talk with them. And then let's assume that I'm not getting an appointment. Um, let's assume I'm not getting an appointment and they're absolutely not listening with me. What I do is I tell them, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay in contact with you. Um, I originally saw your home here. I tell them where I saw it. I saw it on Zillow. It's all on firstsalebyowner.com. I saw it on Facebook. I tell them where I saw it. Um, that's where I got your pictures. It's a beautiful place. I always compliment it. Um, and I always tell them, I hope you sell it. And I hope it goes really, really well. I'd love to represent you on the buy side or refer you to one of my agents. If they're moving to Arizona, I, I got people in Arizona. I got people everywhere. I got people everywhere. I know all of you. Where are you all at, right? I will get them to someone good. So first of all, I tell them that because I want to refer out. If that's all I get, that was worth a phone call. So for a check to show up in my mail and they close on a house over there, that sounds good to me. So, and I do a lot of that. So I'll tell them and I just say, what I'd like to do is stay in contact with you. Um, I'm gonna put your property in my database and keep vetting it against my buyers. And I tell them however many buyers I have. And by the way, outside of like 38 buyers, I don't care if you have six buyers, it's impressive. I don't care if you have three buyers, it's impressive. You just tell, because they don't have any buyers and they need one. So I tell them, I'm going to keep betting it up against my buyers, especially since you're willing to pay the buyer's agent commission. Um, I'm going to, and I'll, I'm also going to expose your home to all the other agents that I work with in the area. Um, and then if I get a match, I'm going to call you back and try to show your property. Sound good? I've never seen them. I'm doing something for them for free. Um, I also tell them, hey, I'm an industry expert in the area. I really care about um, the home that, that it gets sold for you and you meet your goal. If you have any questions along the way, I want you to feel free to call me. I also want you to feel free to let me know if you need any debt disclosures or anything like that. I'll get you what you need. Um, that's my style. Sometimes I get criticized for that. Like, well, they might just take advantage of you. They might. I know that folks in the front end. Here's what I will tell you. Very rarely does that happen. Usually when they're calling me, usually they will call me with questions and usually it turns into some form of transaction or transactions, um, or they and or they become a part of my family, right? They become one of my clients. Even if I don't sell that particular house, I usually get their purchase and I usually get their referrals. Um, and I always say they're my family. They become a part of my real estate family. Um, that usually happens more often. They're coming to me when they have found a buyer and they're struggling and they're like, well, how could you just help me here? And I'm charging them a lesser fee, but I'm charging them a fee to manage that process for them. Um, so in all cases, there's an opportunity there to work with them, to earn their business. And if you can look beyond the one house, there's an opportunity to build referral-based business for the future. Um, I hope that that was helpful. I will get, um, when we post this, I will get some of the questions that I went over, some of the scripts I went over posted so that you can all take advantage of um, utilizing those, make them your own, make them your personality. These are just tools. And yeah, let's get creative and find more listings. Guys, they're out there. They're out there. And I know that uh, some of us are rocking it and some of us are really working harder, harder than we ever had before. 
Um, and so I get it and a big virtual hug because I'm working harder than I've ever worked before. So, um, so just keep doing it. Stay consistent. I love you guys. Have a great, great Thursday. See you next week. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.